Hello, I'm Paul Bristow and I'm working with the Scottish Communities Climate Action Network to find and share stories of community-led climate action. As we live through and continue to cope with the ongoing pandemic, there's been lots of talk around a new normal. For the first time, many of us have started to question what was so normal about how we lived before anyway. And there's an increased interest in the space where climate action meets social justice, a green and just recovery, universal basic income, ideas once out in the fringes, maybe finding their time. The next few months and years, we'll see a battle to frame and tell that story, to make those changes. We need to take this opportunity to show how what we've seen in these last few months can help us imagine better and continue to make the case for action on the climate emergency. And so I want to learn more. Sometimes it maybe feels like everyone's just ploughing their own furrow, out in a limb, just getting on with it. But the collective effort across the country is remarkable. So over the next few months, I'm speaking to people and communities across Scotland to hear their stories of climate action, of hope and change. From big changes to small steps. I want to hear it all. And then together, we can look beyond the new normal to something better. After surely the most January January there's ever been, it's been wonderful in these last few days of February to see the start of spring chiming beautifully with the cautious optimism surrounding the route out of lockdown. In these last two months, perhaps because things have seemed so confined, I've spent a lot of time thinking and writing about the place where I live, Inverclyde, for another story project which explores the cycles of regeneration in the area. The first round of that regeneration started while I was still in primary school in the 80s, and I've been working and volunteering in that line of work here since secondary school. And like many places, as we look towards the end of lockdown, the end of this crisis, we start to think about how best to deal with the problems that the pandemic has exacerbated. Poverty, attainment, unemployment, problems which have been there for decades, now more challenging than ever before, were obvious too. So it seemed like an appropriate moment to cycle back around to where I started my Thousand Better Stories journey and look closer to home again. And I'll be the first to admit, I was feeling a bit downbeat. So I was especially glad to spend some time chatting with an old friend, Ross Alfeld, the Community Programs Manager from Inverclyde Community Development Trust, to hear about the success of their Zero Waste Community Pantry, which is being run in partnership with Inverclyde Council, and about the lessons we might learn there for future projects which address recovery. I worked for the Trust myself for many years, so I'm always interested to see what they're up to. And it's their most recent project I'm, I'm keen to hear about, but the organisation have run a number of Climate Challenge Fund projects over the years that maybe helped them get to this place. Inverclyde Community Development Trust is principally driven by the need in the community, like all community development trusts, and uh, being Inverclyde, it was always essentially driven by unemployment. But around about seven or eight years ago, responding to needs in the community and, and looking at where funders were, we did start to get involved in climate-based projects and environmental type projects. The first one we did was 
called Food to Fork. And Food to Fork was funded by the Climate Challenge Fund, which was relatively new at that time. It was the first time certainly our organisation um, applied for funding from this organisation. Our core business, which it still is, was around social isolation and it was around employability and it was around some support with New Scots and all sorts of these areas, um, people in recovery and people with additional needs and barriers. So we always wanted to tackle climate and, and do environmental-based projects, which had numerous outcomes. We've always been about doing two or three different things. So if we, if we repair a rundown area for the district where trainees who are moving into construction, the community are involved, they're getting something. And, it, you know, um, it's always about what's, what's the, ma- the maximum outcomes as we would say you can get from uh from a project so so environmental type projects and climate change type projects always had always needed to have a few things going on food to fork was our first one and it, it was very good and it was around a very basic community growing project and turning some land that we were allowed to access at Port Glasgow Business and Training Centre over to growing. And it then it was also around cooking. Really, we, we ran this for two years and it was just a it was just a great project. It, it allowed us to create a community garden in a rundown industrial estate at the top of Port Glasgow. And it allowed us to use our own workshops to build 48 pretty big planters and raised beds in an area which was basically fenced off. An industrial state and had done nothing for 40 years so you see that idea of regeneration and you see that idea of being able to do two or three things we have a program called future jobs and it's young trainees who are paid and it's one that comes from local authority and we for six months we can move them into paid employment um, so having those trainees in a growing project and getting involved in horticulture and environmental things and then building planters and getting those approved to community and Measuring that yield and seeing what we grow was great. The, the the big point for us was really to speak to a lot of younger people in the community, not in a top-down patronising way, but to start have those guys thinking about, uh, you know, what food could, could they grow themselves, what could they eat. What we always did was made it a lot of fun. So we trainees out doing construction. On a Friday, we'd bring them in and they'd do a bit of cooking and growing. And that really set the template. That really set the template for, for how we would approach climate-based and environmental type projects. From that same template, uh, the next project we put together was Community Tracks, again, funded by the Climate Challenge Fund and uh, Paths for All and a few other things. It was very, very simple premise. It involved getting bikes from landfill, discarded bikes and bikes from people's garages. So oh, right away there was a carbon saving. You know, it was really about getting those bikes out. And then, as a, again, as a training organisation, an employability org, we could have, we, we hired a couple of bike mechanics and could have those bikes getting fixed and accredited training alongside those and having those bikes back out of the community. Big carbon capture in terms of the, the actual volume and, and, and in terms of the actual weight that we've been saved from landfill, um, really significant numbers. And that, that, that was where Food to Fork was nice and it did a lot of things the yield wasn't going to be massive we weren't running a, a farm or a field or anything but but we could see that that this this on a bigger scale and hitting world targets was pretty straightforward but again good bits of training and then the bikes were going out to people a big learning from that one which informed uh, the pantry which i'll talk about in a minute was when the bikes went back out the community it wasn't some 
really crass charity thing. It was done very discreetly, and if people needed one, and it was very universal. So it wasn't, you know, no one had to show that they were in receipt of universal credits or, or be in dire hardship. It was just discreetly, if you're needing a bike, come up and get one because we'll have a project and they have to go back out anyway. Uh, that then moved us in to, I guess, what we would call behaviour change or active travel. In the sort of second year of that project, it was really about do you choose to maybe use this bike for a couple of days a week to get to work or, you know, get to college, or can you use it for half a route? We were never demanding people throw their car keys away forever or have to cycle up to top of Port Glasgow every day. Behaviour change is really about minor adjustments and linking into public transport and what journeys can you choose to take, but always a choice, always a choice, always based on listening. And uh, so they, they were the two biggest, and there's been other, other projects as well. So that learning over the last few years, we started to think about the pantry, and that that's that's the one we're, we're engaged in we're engaged in now. We'd always had our eye on a project like this, and we and we thought it'd be a good fit for us based on that type of model, you know. So that's kind of the starting point, right? So, mm-hmm. so tell us a wee bit about the pantry itself, where it is, how it works. I mean, one of the things about it, I suppose, is that it's, it, like you say, it's a partnership approach that's that's um, helped make it happen as well. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, it's, based, it's based in the, in the, in the Grieve Road area. Uh, and the support from the local authority has been excellent. We, 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 we had this idea around and we approached them and, and they were keen and they liked it. Inverclyde has some great projects, you know, Belvish Community Garden do good stuff, Broomhill Gardens, I've got a lot going on, branching out over at Parkway in Port Glasgow, Fraser and the guys at the food bank just do a brilliant job out at Branchton, you know, the, the work those guys did during the first lockdown really was phenomenal, I mean, the number of hot meals going out, and the starting point for us is, is good partnership, I mean, the amount of support we had from uh, our friends at Your Voice, and CVS and CLD in terms of the amount of Decent act of listening and 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 uh, community engagement pre the project uh, that that's ensured that we kind of knew what to do. So so that was the driver for the area. Um, in terms of the model itself, one of the one of the good things about working in, um, for the trust is is getting out and about and meeting people and getting to know the the, the pantry network in Glasgow and and various other ones going around the country. The first one I seen was in Birkenhead. We always thought this this is certainly a fit for us. Um, and subsequently we visited the other ones in Castle Milk and Mackenzie and, and and got to understand it. It's really about just doing your homework. And again, where does it fit with us? So so that, that was it. Once we identified the model, and the model is um relatively simple. You know, you have to sort you have your seed funding and, and source external funding, as we all do, and it's based on a membership scheme. So it's universal, it's open to everybody and anybody. You pay, a, you pay a pound to join and then it's £2.50 per visit, per individual, per household. And uh, the, that food is coming via fair share licence and that means that it's zero waste. So the principal driver in a, uh, of this is zero waste, zero waste in, in the community. Um, this is essentially surplus food, which can be accessed. So you pay your, you go and you pay a 2 50 and uh, you get £15 worth. And generally, it's over that. And it's good quality, and it's a, and it's a good mix. And you can supplement that with community growing projects, and you can supplement it with you know community freezers and a whole range of stuff. And you can keep a bit of budget, as I say, to top up. Um, you can buy bulk uh, and break it down. So, I it's really good. The first one I ever seen when I was invited down to Liverpool, 
it's Burton Hensey one. Um, it was really, they actually called it a pantry supermarket and it was about breaking down, uh, buying in bulk, breaking it down or getting near waste and breaking it down. And I remember walking in a room and uh, there was about 20 people with masks on and bags of white powder. And I actually thought it was something to do with, you know, Pablo Escobar. But what it was, was a, a, a box that's worth about, uh, you know, 100 quid's worth of washing powder, which is decanted into bags and sold, sold a quid because washing powder is expensive. Does that mean that if somebody appears and just the, the hardship that the community face, that they can't even afford that membership, there isn't a discreet way to support that? No, absolutely not. But we find that people like it because it looks and feels like a shop. And that's not to denigrate any other model, but as I started at the top of this, we need a diversity of options for people. But the driver is zero waste. And, the, the, and the, so that, that, was, that, was how it, that was how it came together. That, that was the start of it. But I have to say, it would be absolutely nowhere without good volunteers. I mean, we've got one, one permanent member of staff who's a coordinator, Andy, uh, who's got a background in this. And predominantly, it's led by volunteers in an authentic way. And the membership, you know, we're, we're, we're getting into 400 now. You know, we've only been going since November. Um, so, so without that, it's not, it's not really, you know, we are there facilitating it. And we, we would really want to equip our volunteers to get in shape to take that on. And we can do that as a training org around constituting them um, and around treasury and, and cash handling and all of that. And we, we, we'll grow that, but uh, it, it really is community-led. What interesting things have come out of it, um, what you get, from, what we have to do is supplement it by purchasing some food in, take some donations, some food we're growing, fresh food. Um, the fair share license is great, but it is a real mixed bag. And we've been fascinated by the response. Um, some of the things can be quite random, but, but you, you know, you, during the Christmas period, we knew it was effective because things are tight for all of us. But to be able to, a couple of quid, and you get a good bag of shop and keep you going for a week or so, great. But there's some random things in there. A lot of tofu come now and again, goat's milk, um, harista paste. We've got a lot of harista paste. But people have responded well to that. And why should not people uh, in any area in Berkeley um, try things that are unusual and different. That, that's been interesting. Uh, the other interesting thing is people's seriousness about the, the climate and the environmental questions and principally the zero waste. That, that's been the driver for us. And it doesn't matter what your income or your background or what area of the country you live in. We, we, we are interested in how many people are, are genuinely concerned about this issue. And sure, it's, it's tackling food insecurity and it's, this project's doing a lot of other things. But we, we could quantify and, and give you case studies that show that people of all incomes, all, all ages, backgrounds uh, are concerned about this issue. Otherwise, there just wouldn't be the uptake. That's it, certainly ever since, you know. I think that's the thing. You can see that it's worked. I mean, so like I've said before, I'm in Verclade myself. I live in, in the community Ross is talking about here and, and, and have grown up there. And, and to convince people to do anything at all can sometimes be a, a, a bit of a battle and new ideas are... are, are you know, they take a while, they take a while to bed in, um, you know, and, I, and I, I can say that as this is something that I love. This has not been like that at all. I, I think that's what's remarkable. We're only a few months in. You've got hundreds and hundreds of members, and I do think you're definitely onto something in terms of it, it being a shop and, and all that kind of thing. But I, I'm really I'm really glad to hear you say that about, about you know, that, it, that people understand the, the the zero waste nature of it as well. And I appreciate that because community food has kind of become almost like one of the, the most obvious front-facing parts of climate action, presumably as a bit of a result of, of COVID. So how, in the same sort of genuine way that you've been doing things so far, how do you think you're able to 
build on that then going forward to, to, to mm-hmm. sort of expand the options you're talking about, but also maybe the choices that people are able to make about about how food appears in their community? I, I, I think I think there's a, there's a few areas to move forward. I mean, we, we obviously like like the model because it's a fit for us and, and, and there are other things happening. And it's just about that. It's just about that di- diversity um, of options. But one, one thing that's unique about the pantry, I would say, is, is it it's, serves the common good. And what I mean by that is it is an example of something which involves the state. And when I say the state, I mean the local authority who are buying role in this and investing in it because they've got commitment to it and they have to be commended for that regardless of whatever sort of political affiliation you've got um, you've got um, the third sector ourselves who really should come in and facilitate uh, rather than dominate um, then you've got the market which I think sometimes in our area you know in our history you know that the, the, the haven't been particularly served well by the market and by that I mean business and then finally, you've got the most important um, element, uh, the community, people, civil society and institutions, you know, schools, nurseries, churches and, and people. And, and I, I, our sense is if, if we are serious about this issue, it involves a common good between these four pillars. And we, we would say we've got that because you have to remember that the fair share license and the food coming in, the zero the zero waste food, is based on good logistics. It's based on it arrives on a Friday and we have volunteers in, they unpack it, they number it, they label it, they check it, they get in and it goes on the shelf on a Saturday. And, and that's just good planning and good network. But that food is coming from, um, you know, a range of big supermarkets. I mean, they, ha- they, ha- they have to be recognised for doing that. Um, local authority are supporting this and the community are supporting it and as a vlog. So so anything, uh, we, how we would build on it is that that template is po- possibly how we would like to approach all our projects. What what contributions can you get? We're already starting to think about, again, with, in our own organisation, during lockdown, we did some work around uh, recycling old computers. We've done it with bikes, but what can you strip down and what can you save from landfill and what parts and spares, what can go back out to people who are now stuck at home? Not everyone's got a laptop, not everyone's can do what you and I are doing here. And again, putting an appeal out to commercial businesses served as well. And that's a pilot that will probably develop. We'll maybe do the same thing with clothes, but not 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 with an accent on people are short of clothes. It's very much zero waste. It's very much about fashion and style and, and doing upcycling and all, all these things that make life a bit more enjoyable. We're already got a couple of pilots running in John Wood Street around clothes and around IT kit, but it's based on that. Can we can we get help from commercial business out there and, and decent people? And can we get can we get some help from authority but the community design in the model? So so those those would be the areas of growth for us, but certainly based on based on um, that combined with a starting point that's quite holistic, it cares for the whole person. I mean, another interesting bit of learning that's come out of this is uh, we, we can have, we're members, we well, are members and we have a steering group and everyone has a voice and it's, de- it's democratic. But that doesn't mean to say that if someone comes in and they do need the employability support or they need access to financial fitness or debt advice um, or access to signposts on the counselling, that can't happen. And, and, and I sometimes sense that uh, there's a false dichotomy or, a, or a, a, some sort of sense that you, it's, it's, it's poverty alleviation versus um, environmental issues. And that just couldn't be, couldn't be further from the truth. You can do, they're not, they're not only are they not in conflict, but our sense would be that they're linked. 
So the example um, I would give you is around uh, some of the, the heritage stuff we're looking at and some of the work we've done uh, and, and we're monitoring evaluation. So we're concerned with zero waste as the principal driver for the community pantry. And then in, in the second instance, food insecurity. Um, I mean, certainly over Christmas, if anybody, you know, in that, that horrible week in that long January before anybody gets anything or pe people who, you know, it's their five weeks into their first universal credit to be able, be able to turn around and say, look, there's a bag of shopping, there's a couple, you know, and that'll keep you taking over and, it's, and we can say it's good quality stuff and we can supplement it. And that's certainly helpful. But the element that's missing from the conversation is food justice. You know, food, food insecurity is great, but food justice is an issue. And what is food justice? Food justice is, is around the, the, what I mentioned there, sanctions, people's claims getting delayed, issues with rent, the denigration of the welfare state. And that opens people up and opens certainly open myself up to thinking about food justice globally and thinking about the movement of food and how it links up and how, how it goes and, and having a sense of solidarity from people from from Africa to India to Asia and, and, and issues around food and food justice and how that's driven by the environmental crisis we're facing. It, it's, a, it's a real broad issue and, and there's, there's a lot of intersectionality around the whole around the whole question and, and good learning in there. And that's where we would see the growth over the next couple of years with the project, you know. Brilliant. I, I really like the fact that, you know, that, that it's rooted in something and you can see that it's rooted and everybody can appreciate that it's rooted in something that, that stretches right across the world, but the immediate impacts and the things that happen happen at a local level are right there. And that's where you make those connections. That's how people begin to come to an understanding of that without anybody having to sort of stand up and, and, and lecture about it is, is, is just to, is to live it and there's lots of stuff that you know when, whenever you get a project that's working wherever you get a service that's working people always say what's what's replicable what's scalable and I think what you've hit upon as a um, you know as your model is is really good but it, it might work different in other communities I, I guess you know it's all about relationships and individual relationships but with that in mind, what advice would you have maybe for because there's only a couple of um, pantries in Scotland right and and yet seems to me this is a good model right so what what advice would you have for other communities maybe considering this or, or thinking about what the best way to take it forward would be? yeah there's no there's no a great secret secret recipe here other than the elements you'd imagine and um, we get some great pointers you know ha have it feeling and looking like a shop the luxury of our organization is we can link that into training because we have trainees who are doing practical skills and, and soft to have landscaping and some joinery based projects that as part of their delivery they could come in and, and fit out a space for us and so, so, so you know it, it's that that practical element and then join the pantry network is really I think they, they, we, we are I think we are the first one outside Glasgow I think and that advice is there there's, there's people want, wanting this to work but everything starts with relationships and from relationships then you know that they lead to action we are a community development trust and, and as I say our, our our goal in life is really to, you know, we used to create jobs, provide services, remove barriers, but what those barriers are, you know, unfortunately there is, but it's been unemployment, um, but we, we are driven by that. This, this approach, um, we took a slightly different tack um, around a more community organising model where um, we were driven by identifying leaders in the community and leadership should never be confused with sort of managerialism. Leader, leaders are, uh, come from all, all aspects. And, and in our sense, is, um, there are plenty of people within uh, communities who can tell you what they want and need without it being imposed top down. 
you know, I mean, what, what is there? We talk a lot about community wealth building and resources. You know, what what is there in the community? We, we knew it was there. There's, there's, you know, there's St Margaret's Church at the back, Bluebird Nursery. Um, there's, there's schools dotted around the place and Joseph's and Lady Alice and, and, and people and, and, a, and, a, and the Grief Road Centre. Uh, great bunch of people really interested in, in, in taking this on and, and people who know people and can explain it to them. That's that's the starting point, I think. And and, and again, you know, things are lean and tight and we don't, we don't you know, we've got a sort of two-year plan at the moment, but we, we can't guarantee and around there and, and charities can take on the, the, the burden of having lots of premises and lots of overheads. So, so our, our job is really to equip and support the community to develop this over the next period and, and really make it something that it's, it's their own in a, in a, in a real way. The, the point I made earlier about some of the, some of the uh, unusual uh, foods and different, different types of things, um, again, it, it's been great learning because Tackling the environmental crisis and tackling climate change and reducing carbon need not be an austere kind of miserable thing. There's a lot of joy to be had in this project. We have a, we have a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with uh, Food to Fork. Community tracks is good because you have led rides. I, I became a cyclist through that and there was somebody who, who literally wouldn't walk the length of myself, but through an e-bike hire scheme. And then, you know, and then gent- very gently over a number of months, um, getting out and about and learning how to cycle, even though I thought I could, you know, there's 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 a lot of fun and, and joy to be had in, in these projects. I think um, we would encourage people to try and get away from the austerity of of or the perceived austerity of of um, environmental issues. It's just it's not been a reality for us. So that would be our starting point, I think. There's a big Amazon warehouse in Inverclyde, and a cruise terminal too, which thousands of tourists pass through each year. Both things that people might consider symbols of the unsustainable lifestyle, which is part of the environmental crisis. Of course, for here, right now, they provide employment. And I'm glad I chatted with us, because often I do struggle wondering how we have conversations about transition here where adaptation might be framed as necessity rather than opportunity, where there's immediate need to be met before folk feel safe enough to start imagining better. How do we tie the recovery from from this crisis into the solutions to our climate crisis? I think that places like Inverclyde, those who had challenges pre-Covid and who have been particularly hard hit in this last year, are the places where the story of the next 10 years will play out where this green and just recovery needs to demonstrate it can happen, if it's going to happen meaningfully at all, if we aren't just going to create another gap between affluent and less affluent towns and communities. And I think that the models that Ross has mentioned are a step in the right direction towards a recovery built on collaboration, which doesn't exclude and which is immediate and relevant to people and their needs in the here and now. So, I'd like to thank Ross Alfred from Inverclyde Community Development Trust for providing me and hopefully you with a little burst of pragmatic optimism ideal for the brighter days Thanks for listening to A Thousand Better Stories from the Scottish Communities Climate Action Network If there's something happening in your community be sure to let us know you can drop me a line at stories at scottishcommunitiescan.org.uk We're on Twitter as well at scottccan and on Facebook just search for Scottish Communities Climate Action Network. 
On March 16th, I'll be running a story workshop, helping you tell and share your stories of community-led climate action. You can find more details on the website or search Storytelling for Change Climate Action Workshop on Eventbrite to book a place. Maybe I'll see you there.